as the 2021 college football season approaches, we wanted to take a look at the Power 5 conferences. Hi everyone, this is Summer and we are glad to be back for another college football season. I am glad to be joined by my guys, Billy and Kenneth. Billy is going to give you the best sports betting analysis and Kenneth is going to give you the best game breakdown. You can follow us on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP and please visit our website at www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com. On our website, you will find great articles, links to our podcasts, and our YouTube channel. We have some great packages for those looking to wager on the upcoming college football season whether it is a particular conference or college football. With more states adding legalized sports betting, this season you can have your sports advantage by putting our team to work for you. Each week you will have access to our research and analysis both before the game and any in-game plays. For more details you can send us an email at contact at crunchtimesportsadvantage.com or at a direct message on Twitter. Now, Billy is going to give you the projected win totals for each team. In the Pac-12 Conference, It is great to be back with you and Kenneth for this season. Here are the projected win totals for each team in the conference. Arizona 2.5, Arizona State 8.5, Cal 6.5, Colorado 4.5, Stanford 4, Oregon State 5, Oregon 9, USC 8.5, UCLA 7, Washington State 6, Washington 8.5, and Utah is at 8.5. Thanks, Summer. And as we look at the Pac-12 conference, we're talking about a conference here that has been noticeably missing from the college football playoffs. 2017 was the last time a Pac-12 team made uh, the college football playoffs when the Washington Huskies uh, lost in the semifinals to the Alabama Crimson Tide 24-7. The last time that this conference got a win was 2015, and that's when the Oregon Ducks beat Florida State 59-20, but lost the national championship game to Ohio State 42-20. The Pac-12's last national champion was the 2003 USC Trojans. And you got to go all the way back to 1991 when a team not named USC won a national championship in this conference. And that's when the Washington Huskies split a national championship with the 1991 Miami Hurricanes. So we know that the Pac-12 played a very limited schedule, so we're not going to be able to extrapolate a lot of data, but we do want to take a look at some of the key things that we did find out about this conference, even in a limited schedule. So We're going to get started with the Pac-12 North, and that's uh, the Cal Bears, Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, Stanford Cardinals, Washington Huskies, and the Washington State Cougars. So let's jump right in, and our first team will be uh, the Cal, Cal Berkeley Bears. So what is my burning... um, Question, I'll get to that once I, I um, go over some, some quick data here from um, the 2020 season for uh, the Cal Golden Bears. Uh, so they played four games, averaged about 20, 20 points per game, gave up uh, 26.5. So not a whole lot of data to take from that. Uh, like I said, we, we know that they played a limited schedule. Um, 
Cal finished the season one and three last year. But here's some, some key takeaway as far as numbers goes that I want to take a look at. And that's really seeing how this team um, kind of like to call their plays. So we know that they average about 70, 72 plays per game. And pretty much were a 50-50 run split team. So they averaged about uh, 34.5 pass attempts per game and 37 rush attempts per game. And we should expect to see kind of that same um, formula this year because they're bringing back um, head coach Justin Wilcox. Bill Musgrave is back now. Um, so I don't expect to see a lot of changes whether it's on the offensive side or defensive side. My burning question for, for Cal is going to be this. Can they get any kind of production uh, from their quarterback, Chase um, Garbers? We know that this kid has a missile launcher uh, on his arm, but can we see some more consistency? I mean, yes, he completed 63% of his passes, but here's what I don't like. I don't like a six touchdown to three INT ratio. We know really good quarterbacks, especially at the collegiate level, should be about eight to one. And if you really want to be elite, you're in that nine and a half to 10 ratio. So being only at two to one, definitely not going to cut it. If, if this team really wants to succeed in the Pac-12 this coming year. Flipping over to our next team is the Stanford Cardinals. Uh, Stanford finished um, the 2020 season 4-2. Uh, and two. Taking a look at um, a breakdown of their numbers. And what we see with the uh, Cardinal is on offense – Averaged about 29.3 points per game. On the defense, they gave up almost 32 points, points per game. So, a negative point uh, point differential. So, what, what that kind of leads me into thinking is they probably had a blowout win somewhere. And then some really, some really tight losses. So, kind of looking at how this, this team under uh, David Shaw going into its 11th season as the head man there at Stanford. Um, what, are, what are their play call tendency? Well, we know that uh, under head coach David Shaw, this team really wants to be physical, um, especially at the offensive um, point of attack, and that's going to be running the ball. So they averaged about 37 pass attempts and a tick under uh, 33 Rush attempts. So once again, this team wants to be balanced, and if they're able to get ahead, they're definitely going to look to pound the ball out. We know that Coach Shaw runs a very conservative offense, uh, so you're not going to see a lot of four and five wide receivers. You're going to see kind of what we've seen over the past 20 years with the Wisconsin, a real um, heavy concentration on the run game. So what's my burning question for um, Stanford going into this upcoming season? 
who's going to be the starting quarterback? I mean, Jack West is a senior, got very limited play, um, even in that shortened season uh, last year. Only 19 attempts, did complete 13, uh, 13 of those passes, no touchdowns, no INTs. 154 yards, so that's telling me he's not pushing the ball down the field. If this is what we can expect going into uh, the 2021 season, definitely could be a very, very long season for uh, the Stanford Cardinal. Our next team we're going to take a look at is the Washington State Cougars. Um, Washington State is really a team that's really trying to um, transition into a new um, a new style of offense led led by their new um, head coach uh, Nick Rivolich. Um Really, this is going into his first full year because they only were able to play four games last year, going one and three. Taking a look at Washington State on the offensive side, uh, did score. Um, 30 points per game, but gave up 38.5. So once again, a negative uh, point differential. You're just not going to win a lot of ball games when you have that kind of kind of differential. And as we can see, looking at their record, they absolutely didn't. So, what are some of their uh, play calling tendencies? Taking a look. This team actually has made the transition from that air raid that Mike Leach ran up there in Pullman for all those years to more of a run-based offense. And this is going to be key uh, when we're getting ready to break these teams down next year, especially when they're returning um, the same head coach and offensive coordinator. That's something that could absolutely pay huge dividends um, when we're um, – kind of looking at lines, it's how does that play caller for that particular university uh, want to set up uh, teams? This team was one of the slowest-paced teams in the Pac-12. That's going to be a key sticking point uh, during the 2021 season. And looking at their their pass to to rush ratio – they're, they're about 38 passes to about 28 uh, run attempts, which, like I said, is a complete turn um, from that Mike Leach offense where it was going to be about 90% uh, pass and maybe 10% run. So, once again, this team is not going to play at a at a very high, um, high frenetic pace, something to, to definitely keep an eye on going into the 2021 season. And the burning uh, question, and you're, you're going to probably notice a theme here, um, transferring from the University of Tennessee uh, quarterback Jarrett Garantano. Uh, he's a grad transfer, and he's going to um, look to be the uh, trigger man for the uh, Washington State Cougars here. So, Looking at Garantano's numbers um, last year um, while in Knoxville, completed 62% of his passes, but once again, a terrible touchdown to INT ratio. Six touchdowns to uh, four um, INTs. 
If Garantano is going to be the quarterback for the entire season, uh, wins could be at at, at a premium uh, for for this team. And what do I mean by that? I mean, um, I got a chance to see this young man for for the past few years there in Knoxville. Uh, very inconsistent at the quarterback uh, position. And honestly, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't complete over 64% in the college game at this point, you're probably not a Division I um, quarterback because of all the RPOs that we run, all of the um, short bubble screens, um, and basically your fly sweeps that are nothing more than a long handoff. Like I said, the the percentages um, should be there, but like I said, you got to take care of the ball when you're a quarterback, and especially if you want to make it to a um, winning season, conference championship, and beyond. Taking care of the ball is definitely a premium. Up next is the Washington Cougars. I'm sorry, Washington Huskies. Um, pardon me. So, uh, Washington uh, went 3-1 and one in their four games last year. And let's take a look at uh, their numbers. Average 30 points per game, gave up 25. You can see a, a positive um, point differential there. Now, let's take a look at um, how this team is going to potentially look to call games this year. Uh, once again, um, under first-year head coach last year, Jimmy Lake, uh, offensive coordinator John uh, Donovan. This team wanted to wanted to push the pace just a little bit, probably in the middle of the pack as far as the um, the pack twelve goes at about sixty seven plays per game. Looking at their um, run pass um, breakdown. About 28 pass attempts per game and 39 rush attempts. So, this team is going to look to pound the ball. And playing for a defensive-minded head coach like Jimmy Lake, uh, not surprising. So, once again, that is going to be something to definitely pay attention to uh, throughout the 2021 season. The burning question, and if you're, if you're starting to notice a team with this conference... Um, yeah, once again, we're going back to the quarterback position. And honestly, it's going to be, do they go with Patrick O'Brien, uh, the senior quarterback transfer from Colorado State? Or do they go to the legacy kid in Sam um, Hewitt? Uh, we know both his um, dad and uncle were, were starting quarterbacks um, for the Huskies. And if you're going to get this kid ready, you have one game to do so. And that's the season opener against Montana. Because if you want to set up bigger and better things later on in the season, and that starts in week two with that trip to Ann Arbor to face the Michigan Wolverines, you're going to have to sort out this quarterback position very quickly against Montana. So, Put that game away really quickly, and then let let the chips fall where it may between uh, those two quarterbacks. So that's kind of my thoughts on the Washington Huskies. And now we're going to move over to 
the Oregon State uh, Beavers. Now, Oregon State was able to get in seven games last year, only going two and five. So let's kind of take a look at their offensive and defensive breakdown here. So uh, they averaged a tick under 29 points per game. Defense gave up 33 points per game. So once again, that negative um, point differential, um, really understanding why this team uh, didn't win uh, many more games because you're not going to win win games if your opponent's outscoring you. So looking at their pace of play, averaged about 70 plays per game, about 409 yards per game. So um, not really really efficient uh, from the metric standpoint as far as the way that we're going to examine these teams going forward. Uh, looking at their pass-to-rush ratio, extremely balanced um, as far as a play-calling standpoint. And once again, we see a returning head coach in Jonathan Smith going into his fourth campaign there in um, Corvallis. And this is going to be a very critical year uh, for Coach Smith because his record at uh, Oregon State is only 9-22. and 22. And here's a, a, a number that's even worse. In conference play, 7-18. and Got to turn it around this season. And now he brings back uh, both of his coordinators, but we're going to take a look at the offensive side, and that's Brian um, Lindgren. Really got to take a step forward this year because I think another seven or eight loss season could be the end of uh, Coach Smith's uh, tenure there um, in Corvallis. So what's the burning question um, for me? And I'm going to transition away from the quarterback because, honestly, I don't see a really good option uh, at the quarterback position. So it's really going to boil down to um, is there anybody from a playmaking standpoint that could take the pressure off one of those quarterbacks? And we're going to turn to uh, transfer from South Carolina, Deshaun Fenwick, uh, six foot two, 225-pound uh, redshirt junior, um, really may have to step up and be the bell cow uh, for for this ball club. Looking at his numbers last year from uh, South Carolina, he appeared in eight games, had 54 uh, rush attempts, uh, 297 yards, 5.5 yards per carry. You would think playing in a conference like the Pac-12 that he could maybe bump that up um, to about six yards per carry. So, that's that's going to be my burning question. Can Fenwick take some pressure off of whoever's going to be the starting quarterback uh, there for uh, Oregon State? Because if not, like I said, we could see some turnover here at the head coach position um, at the end of the season. And our final team that we're going to take a look at um, from this division is the Oregon Ducks. Now, we know um, they were able to um, win the Pac-12 um conference championship game last year by default because 
Washington, had they not had the, the COVID outbreak, would have been the team representing the North in the uh, Pac-12 championship. But you take advantage of the opportunities whenever they present themselves, and that's what the Oregon uh, Ducks did there. So uh, Oregon was able to get in seven ball games last year with a record of four and three. And like I said, going four and two in conference, but we're going to take a look at um, kind of their style of play and see if we can't um, put our fingers on the post of what could be uh, in store for um, Mario Cristobal entering his fourth season as the head man um, there in Eugene and what kind of style of play they're going to look to uh, put on the field this coming year. This team did not um, average a lot of plays per game uh, last year, 61 uh, plays per game, and that was uh, the lowest in the uh, Pac-12. They averaged uh, 31.3 points per game on offense, gave up 28.3 points per game on defense. So uh, not a lot of margin for error there, and you want to see a team that has – this kind of uh, talent coming back to be able to blow out teams um, that are inferior and in some of those bigger uh, matchups still be able to get the win, whether it's 31-34 like they uh, won the uh, Pac-12 championship game last year. So it it all starts up front with this team. And my burning question is going to be, is Anthony Brown um, going to be the starter uh, throughout the season, or are they going to look to get in the uh, freshman uh, Ty Thompson at some point? If they're going to go with Brown, let's take a look at um, kind of our scouting report on him. Very strong arm, definitely a dual threat. Um has good enough speed. I'm not going to say um, Lamar Jackson type of speed because I don't think he has that. Um, can throw on the run and can really put the ball down down the field. So this Oregon Duck team should be able to stretch the field um, a little bit more. Now, we saw Brown in some limited action last year. Uh, only attempted 23 passes, completed uh, 15 of those for about 65%, 164 yards. Uh, not good enough for me as far as the way that I judge these college quarterbacks as far as what I want that um, yards per attempt to be. Two touchdowns, no INTs. This team is good enough on offense to be um, a tick better than what they were even last year. Um this team has the potential, and let me echo that, the potential to average about 35 points per game. What we got to see on the defensive side, though, we got to see them perform up to that elite caliber that they could be. When you have a potential number one uh, draft pick on the defensive line, and that is um, defense in Kayvon Thibodeau. I want to see him play like an elite 
top five pick. And for him to do that, he's going to have to get quarterback pressures, quarterback sacks, tackles for loss, and he's got to be an impact on every single time this team takes the field. So if he's drawing drawing attention to himself, his running mate on the other side has got to got to get to the quarterback. Um, Mace Funa um, is the other uh, defensive end on this team, but it's not just those two guys. Um, you got Noah Sewell, who's got to be an impact um, from the linebacker standpoint. Get home when when you're coming on on a delayed blitz. And finally, the secondary should should be able to perform at a better level than what we saw um, last season. This team gave up about two hundred and thirty six. Um, yards per game through the air last year, opponents completed about 61%. Now, if this team is going to take a step forward, you want to see that completion percentage stay about the same, limit big plays, and above all, you got to generate turnovers uh, by your opponent. This team didn't do a good enough job of generating turnovers and definitely want to see that number improve as we go into the 2021 season. After this uh, quick commercial break, we'll be right back to finish up the Pac-12 South. We are pleased to be partnered with our dear friend Rachel Barbo and her organization I'm Changing the Narrative. The mission of I'm Changing the Narrative is to promote positive mental health and good love for yourself and others to serve as an inspiration for students, professionals, and parents to create an individual legacy of purpose, passion, and platform. Rachel speaks to athletes about taking back the headlines for good, showing them that they have the power to change the narrative and to find their purpose in life outside of their sport. To live lives of purpose, passion, and platform. Just like her inspiration, Alabama and NFL star, Kevin Turner did before he succumbed to ALS and CTE. For more information please visit www.iamchangingthenarrative.org. The Rebel Walk is your source for the best coverage of Ole Miss sports. You can follow our good friend, Ole Miss Evie on Twitter at Ole Miss Evie, and you can follow The Rebel Walk on Twitter at The Rebel Walk. Be sure to check out their website at www.therebelwalk.com. Head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of our good friend David Walker's book, I'll Tell You When You're Good. This is the incredible story of Walker's demanding, provocative, bitterly fought career, and the most miraculous comeback of all time. Now the hardest fighting fight in Texas Ag who ever lived reveals his life as the on-field general inside the cold-blooded arena of college football. Join fans now in discovering the most disturbingly fascinating career in NCAA history with the youngster who lived it, including unique stories of a superb high school coach and the all-time game-changers for Aggie football, the Wishbone Gang. Walker is the only college-level quarterback to ever publish a book based on his experiences in amateur athletics, and remains the youngest starting college athlete ever. He held the single-season passing record at Sulphur High for 40 years and the single-game QB rushing record at Texas on for 35 years, a true dual-threat quarterback. 
Enjoy the flavor of Southwest Louisiana and the adopted Texas swagger in his unique voice as he takes you down a one-of-a-kind path you could never imagine possible in the modern era of college football. In so doing you will uncover what may be the greatest amateur sports story of all time. And welcome back in. And let's take a look at the six teams that make up the Pac-12 South. And we're going to start right there with the Arizona schools. And up first is the Arizona Wildcats. Last year, the Wildcats were able to get in uh, five games last year and was absolutely one of the worst teams that I saw in college football last year. They went 0-5, and when you listen to um, a couple of these stats that I'm going to point out, you can clearly see why that was the case. Arizona scored 17.5 points per game, gave up 39.8. With that kind of uh, point differential, you're not going to win many, if any, contest um, in college football. So let's take a look at um, a little bit of their breakdown just to kind of see where they are and where they're going to be trending to. Arizona averaged last year about 75 plays per game, which we kind of paced them as uh, one of the two uh, fastest-paced offenses in in that conference. So I don't expect, even with the with the change in uh, head coach uh, Jeff uh, Fish uh, coming over after spending a little bit of time uh, in the NFL with the LA Rams, um, was a offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for three years at Virginia Tech, and uh, back in 2017 uh, was the interim coach uh, for the bowl game for uh, UCLA. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, how this offense um, transforms uh, in the upcoming year. But what we can uh, really kind of hang our hat on this coming year is really how bad this Arizona defense uh, was last year and um, projecting to be this coming year. Gave up... um, to opponents, 60, let's round it up, 66% uh, completion percentage, uh, 202 yards per game. But here's here's something that just cannot be ignored. No other team in the Pac-12 faced as many uh, run plays as this Arizona defense. Opponents averaged about 46 rushing attempts per game about 270 yards on the ground per game, almost six yards per carry, and almost four rushing touchdowns per game. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care at what level of football you play at, when you give up that kind of production on the ground, it really makes for a very easy day uh, for your opponent because they can get you however they want to. They're not worried if you put eight in the box. They're not worried if you put nine in the box. If your defensive front seven cannot control the run game, it's going to make for a long day. My player to watch 
for the um, Arizona Wildcats is not going to be a quarterback. Um, it's going to be really this front four, and we're projecting uh, Brown, Mason, Blackwell, and Harris to be the front four. If they can't control the line of scrimmage, I don't care what this offensive side of the, the ball looks like because this team week in and week out is just going to get beat like a drum. Going up the road a little bit, and we're going to take a look now at the uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. Now, we understand that the Sun Devils are involved in, uh, let's just say, a whole lot of speculation as far as uh, some of the things that they did during um, this past year with uh, COVID protocols and really not adhering to those. And we're just going to have to wait and see how all of that shakes out. But as far as what we saw on the field last year from the Sun Devils, it was really a mixed bag. So they looked good against the teams that they were supposed to look good against, um, really beating um, their in-state rival last year. I believe that score was 70-7. to uh, eking out a win in their um, season finale against Oregon State, 46-33, to but lost against UCLA and USC in a close contest in both of those. So we got to find out this year on the field uh, what Arizona State is. So bringing back Coach uh, Herm Edwards, also um, – Offensive coordinator, Zach Hill. So let's take a look at the offensive side for um, Arizona State. And we're going to um, put a big circle around this points per game average. That 40.3 was aided in only playing four games, and one of those games being a 70-point 70, 70 game. So I'm going to refine their point total. And when I really look at it, this team on average is about a upper 20 program. If you look at it, uh, they scored 18, 27, and 46. So they're in the upper 20s, which um, if you're going to have a elite caliber defense, that's fine. But you really, if you're looking at winning a conference championship, you want to be in that 30-point-per-game uh, range. Let's take a look at uh, their play calling just to kind of get a feel for uh, what this team is going to be. And they're going to be a heavy run team, um, almost a two-to-one differential as far as their run to pass. Uh, averaged about 22 pass attempts per game and 41 rush attempts per game. Now, they ran the ball extremely effective last year. Like I said, a lot of that's aided by that game against Arizona. So got to take these numbers with a grain of salt, but still looking at the production, you, you got to say, okay, what do I expect from Arizona State this year? I expect them to be a line of scrimmage team, want to run the ball, and really kind of establish that line of scrimmage. You would expect that with a former NFL um, head coach and Herm Edwards, so not surprising at all. 
looking at their defense, defense gave up about 23 points per game. And like I said, you would probably uh, skew that just a little bit hard considering that they were basically able to almost shut out Arizona. So I would say they probably gave up around that 26, 28 uh, point per game. So if you start to do the numbers on that, like we've done, not a large uh, discrepancy as far as their positive uh, points per points per game differential. What the, what they scored versus what they gave up. Uh, their defense opponents uh, were were pretty balanced against this team. Um, about forty uh, pass attempts per game. About forty uh, rushes uh, allowed per game. Four point five uh, yards per carry allowed. Pretty respectable. Gave up uh, two rushing touchdowns per game and about uh, one and a half um, passing touchdowns per game. So that's that's about uh, where this team defensively, I'm going to um, expect them to be coming into the 2021 season. My player to watch for um, Arizona State will be quarterback uh, Jalen Daniels. Uh, redshirt sophomore, very strong arm. Has some touch um, as far as uh, being able to not just have that 99-mile-per-hour fastball, but can layer and feather the ball over um, defensive linebackers and drop it in front of of a safety. So that's a talent that's really appreciated by all of his wide receivers and tight ends. And he's going to need to take a huge step. Like I said, they only played a small sample size of games, but here's where he's got to take a huge jump. Completion percentage. You've heard me talk about this on this podcast. You'll hear it in in future podcasts that we do when we're breaking down uh, these conferences. 58% uh, completion percentage is just not going to get it done. 49 for 84, uh, 701 yards. 5-1 Five to one ratio touchdowns to INT. Want to see that bump up a little bit more? And like I said, that that number probably would have been a little bit higher had they played a little bit um, a better number of games, if you will. So, completion percentage has to go up to that 64, 65 um, percent for me um, if Arizona State is going to contend for an AFC, I'm sorry, a Pac-12, <laughs> Pac-12 South uh, Division and go on to uh, play for a Pac-12 championship. So that's where they're going to need to uh, really take a step forward. Coming up next uh, will be the Colorado uh, Buffaloes. And the Buffaloes last year um, really had a really good season under first-year head coach uh, Carl Durrell. We remember uh, Coach Durrell um, uh, many years ago being the uh, head man at UCLA for five years. So um, really uh, really solid uh, first year, uh, especially with all the challenges that uh, they faced out there uh, with um, COVID outbreaks and not being able to get in a lot of games. So team went 4-2, and two, like I said, uh, get, got in uh, six contests. And let's take a look at um, – what they're bringing back. Um, last year, the Buffaloes um, averaged almost 76 uh, plays per game. So want to get up tempo, which you see in this conference quite a bit. 
again, a really um, heavy run team. Uh, 46 uh, rush attempts per game. Averaged uh, points, 28.5. Solid. About 30 pass attempts. Now, here's here's a number that, once again, jumps out at me and um, we'll definitely need to see improvement on. Only completed 55% um, of their passes last year, so uh, not a very good number. Did average about 212 uh, yards per, per game on the ground. About 4.6 uh, yards per carry and did uh, average about two and a half rushing touchdowns per game. As far as Colorado's defense, I uh, gave up 31.7. So we don't like to see that negative uh, ratio. So um, that's going to lead me to think that they were blown out um, in a game and were able to win a couple of um, really close contests. So you want to see that number uh, flipped going into uh, this 2021 season. Opponents, they gave up um, really good pass defense. Uh, opponents only completed about 56% of their passes uh, for about 239 yards, uh, two touchdowns through the air. Uh, faced about 33 rush attempts per game, 182, 5.5 uh, yards per carry. Now, that number definitely needs to come down, especially in a conference like the Pac-12. Um, so you want to be a little bit more stout on that defensive front seven and really try to control the run game a little bit better coming up into this season. So my player to watch, um, and we're going, again, back to the quarterback position, um, University of Tennessee transfer quarterback J.T. Strout uh, coming over. Um, he saw limited action last year for the Vols. Um, completed 24 out of 42 pass attempts, uh, 57%, four touchdowns, three INTs, but as bad as that uh, Tennessee team was, uh, we're going to give him a little bit of time to, to grow, but he's going to have to do that um, in week one versus, versus Northern Colorado because in week two, uh, they will be playing in a neutral site game. I believe that game is in Denver playing the uh, Texas A&M Aggies. So, going to have to grow up and grow up very, very quickly if this team is going to take a step forward uh, in 2021. Up next will be the Utah Utes. And Utah, I was able to go three and two last year. And when we really kind of dive into their numbers a little bit here, um, especially on the offensive side. Um, what I see is a team that knows what their identity is. Kyle Winningham uh, entering his 17th season as the head man at Utah. Very conservative offense, and it reminds me a lot of Wisconsin uh, that plays in the Big Ten. This team knows what they want to do and regardless of what the year is, regardless of um, how this modern era of football is being played in college, um, where you're seeing four and five wide receivers, this team is going to line up and run the ball. So let's take a look at them on the offensive side, and then we'll flip over to the defense. So Utah averaged about uh, 69 uh, plays per game, so right about um, – Right about the middle of the pack in the uh, Pac-12, 
averaged about 400, and we're going to round that up to 410 yards per game on offense. Really balanced team here. Um, attempted about 31 passes per game and about uh, 38 uh, run, rush attempts per game. Quarterback completed about 61%. Want to see that a tick higher. But like I said, given uh, some of the challenges that this conference especially faced with, with COVID, you, you would like to think the more games that this team would have got under their belt, they could have gotten that completion percentage up just a, just a tick higher. But like I said, I want to see that number about 64, 65% completion percentage. So not too far off. Um, you add in just a couple of um, screens. Uh, to the running backs and wide receivers, you can easily get that number up from 61 to 65%. Uh, as far as what they did on the ground, absolutely spectacular. 194 uh, yards per game on the ground, 5.1 uh, yards per carry. You could easily see that being uh, even better uh, if this team is going to contend for uh, the Pac-12 South crown and a potential chance to go on and win the Pac-12 uh, conference championship. As far as the defense goes, gave up 26 points per game, allowed their opponents to complete about 57.6% uh, of their passes for about 257 yards. On the ground, they were really, really stout, uh, 28 rush attempts per game, 107.8 yards uh, per game, allowed 3.8 uh, yards per carry uh, surrendered to uh, their opponents. Absolutely fantastic job, and you would like to think that if this team is going to take a step forward and get into that Pac-12 um, championship game, they're going to do so behind uh, Baylor transfer quarterback, who is our player to watch for, and that's going to be Charlie Brewer. Now, Brewer has a slightly above average arm, but he is really accurate with the ball, has a really quick release, mobile, likes to scramble, and when he scrambles, I'm not saying he's Russell Wilson, I'm just saying the way that Russell uh, extends out, he's not like a Lamar Jackson where he's trying to escape and run, he's trying to buy his receivers that extra one and a half to two seconds to break open, and that's when you see some of those deep shots down the field. Now, Brewer last year, um, here's his stats, 198 completions, 321 attempts, 62% completion percentage. Want to see that definitely a little bit higher, but here's where he's got to improve. The touchdowns to INT ratio, 14 TDs, to 8 INTs. Not going to get it done if you want to uh, contend for a conference championship. So there's my thoughts on Utah. And that's going to take us to our last two teams in the Pac-12, and that is the UCLA Bruins and the USC Trojans. And we're going to start with UCLA. Um, head coach Chip Kelly enters a very important year for him um, as he starts his fourth campaign there as the head man um, in Pasadena. Record overall, 10 wins, 21 losses, uh, 10 and 15 in conference. So Chip definitely has got to take a step forward um, with this team going into 2021. But let's take a look back at uh, UCL UCLA last year. Uh, was able to get in seven games, went three and 
four. And what do we know about Chip Kelly, regardless of whether he was at Oregon for all of those years? Uh, even going back uh, to his days um, in the NFL with the Philadelphia Eagles, Chip wants to play at a high um, pace of play. Bruins averaged about 74 plays per game. And this team actually ran the ball a lot more than they threw it. 45 rush attempts. Now, some of that's going to be due to the uh, running ability of their quarterback, uh, DTR. Averaged about 29 pass attempts per game. Now, here's a number that I do like. 65% completion percentage. uh, 224 yards through the air. 231 on the ground, averaged about 5.1 yards per carry. So you want to think that at this point, um, DTR, who will be their player player for me to watch, needs to take that next step um, if this team is going to contend for uh, a Pac-12 championship. Looking at his numbers last year, 90 completions, 138 uh, attempts right at 65%, uh, 12 touchdowns, four INTs. Want to see that number, um, especially the touchdowns to INT ratio. That's only three to one. Not going to get it done for me. I want that number, like I said, seven to one, eight to one. Um, you're going to find that number um, when teams are winning conference championships in that in that range. Looking at their defense, defense gave up about 31 points per game. Now, got to get better on the back end, uh, giving up uh, 61% um, completion percentage to their opponents, almost 275 yards per game through the air, and really wasn't much better as far as seeing that throughout their limited schedule last year. It it was really a consistent drip, drip, drip through the air, and uh, they got a big matchup um, in week two, versus a really high-powered LSU offense. So this team is definitely going to have to sure up that back end, uh, no question about it. Now, the rush defense for UCLA, pretty pretty darn good. Almost 38 rush attempts uh, per game by their opponents, only 138 yards allowed. Uh, that's 3.6 yards per carry. Um, that's really solid. So like I said, sure up the back end and for UCLA, you know what? I'm going to give you another player to watch because I think this young man is going to have to take a take a step forward and really help out that that secondary. And that's free safety uh, Quentin Lake. He's a redshirt senior, been in the program for a while, and he is their best returning uh, player in that secondary. So got to see DTR take a step forward on the offense. Got to see uh, Mr. Lake take a step forward on the defense. Got to be that traffic cop back there, making sure that back end is lined up properly and force some more turnovers um, by interceptions, strip fumbles um, when running backs or or even wide receivers are are in that secondary. Got to get that ball out. Got to force some more havoc plays. So those are my kind of uh, thoughts on UCLA. And last but certainly not least, the – Trojans of Southern Cal 
Clay Helton, who is permanently um, affixed to the hot seat there in Los Angeles. And this season, once again, he's going to find himself firmly on the hot seat. Uh, his seventh year at uh, USC with a record of 45 and 23, which for the standard of what I consider a Mount Rush, Rushmore program, along with Alabama, along with Oklahoma, along with Ohio State, this team has to find an identity. Running back you. you see, USC should never have questions at the offensive line and the tailback um, standpoint. And under Clay Helton, I have not seen either one of those two things uh, truly develop the way that I would like to see them for a program this deep in, in history and tradition. USC was able to get in six games going five and one. Let's take a look at how do, how does this Trojan team want to play under Helton? They want to go fast-paced, one of the uh, faster-paced teams in the uh, Pac-12. About, uh, let's round it up to about 75 plays per game. So this team wants to... Um, Get you off of your, get you off your um your spots on defense under Graham Harrell, who runs that Mike Leach air raid offense. So, let's see um their their breakdown as far as um pass attempts versus rush attempts. Now, unlike Leach, um, this team is going to run the ball a heck of a lot more than what we're going to see with Mississippi State. Uh, rush attempts. And this is just absolutely putrid. 31 rush attempts per game and average 97 yards per game on the ground. That's 3.2 yards per carry. That's embarrassing for any program. But for a program like USC, this is absolutely pathetic. Through the air, now here's a number that you do like. 67% completion percentage in that air raid offense, you should be completing a high percentage passes because every, everything is typically within 10 to 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. So a lot of quick uh, screens, a lot of quick speed outs, a lot of curl routes, easy throws for the quarterback, 319 yards passing per game. Okay. 44 uh, pass attempts per game. So like I said, a little bit more balanced, but that's only in the play calling. That's not in the yardage. I got to see this be a lot better than uh, 97 yards per game, which, by the way, was far and away the worst by any Pac-12 team. You want to know really how bad it was? The next poorest rushing team, number 11 in the Pac-12, was Cal, and they averaged 125 yards per game on the ground. Here's, and I'll, I'll get into the USC defense here, um, and then I'll give you some thoughts about USC. USC gave up uh, 26 points per game, gave up 65% completion percentage to their opponents. Now, did limit the yardage, which, okay, that's fine. 216 yards uh, through the air, 
can live with that. But take a look at how bad this rush defense was for USC. 36 rushing attempts, 153 yards per game allowed on the ground, 4.2 yards per attempt. If this trend continues, especially uh, once they get into a full um, full schedule, if you're giving that up over a 12-game um, game schedule, it's going to be really difficult to come out of um, this division, much less win um, a Pac-12 uh, championship. So that's the breakdown. And my player to watch, a lot of people is going to, they're going to say it's um, Keaton Slovis. I'm going to turn instead to their defense, and I'm going to go with uh, Jack linebacker, Drake Jackson. He is the best player on this USC defense. Uh, looking at what this young man was able to do uh, last year, 20 total tackles. Five and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and an INT. He is going to have to be the best player on this defense, and he's going to have to perform every single game as if he was a future top 25 pick in the NFL draft. Because if not, this USC defense, I don't care how it how much it improves from an offensive standpoint. If you're giving up that kind of production on the ground against some of the teams that you're going to have to face, namely Notre Dame, Arizona State, Utah, UCLA, these teams can absolutely, and Colorado for that, for that uh, matter, these teams can line up and blow you off the ball and, Sometimes the best defense is your ground game. And if you're able to control the clock and keep that USC offense on the sideline, USC could be in a lot of trouble. And like I said, this is a pivotal year for Clay Hilton. And here's what I've heard from a lot of USC fans. They either want to go 11-1 or 1-11. They don't want this 7-8 win season. They want a definitive answer on Clay Hilton, and I believe that they're going to get it this year. So wrapping up here um, with some final thoughts on the Pac-12, you've heard the numbers, um, as we mentioned early on in the podcast, about uh, this team hasn't made a um, college football playoff since 2017, haven't won a national championship since uh, 2003. If they're going to do so, Week two of the college football season will be the most important week in this conference um, recent history. Because on that week, Washington travels to Ann Arbor, Michigan to face uh, the Michigan Wolverines. And in the game of the week, the Oregon Ducks will travel to Columbus to face the Ohio State Buckeyes. For the Pac-12 to get any respect and to have a legitimate shot of making the college football playoff, both the Washington Huskies 
and the Oregon Ducks need to win those two games on September 11th. Because in doing so, it now sets the stage where that game um, between Oregon and Washington won't just be for the Pac-12 North uh, Division crown in um, early November, but it could potentially be for positioning towards a college football playoff berth. Because what do you want if you're the Pac-12 as a conference? You want both of those teams coming into that game with a maximum, maximum of one loss combined. Also, you want to see your conference flag bearer, which is USC. You want to see USC start the table, I mean, white hot. You need USC to beat Utah, come off the bye week, beat Notre Dame in South Bend, and go into that game versus um, UCLA undefeated. An undefeated USC team and potentially an undefeated or a one-loss Washington or Oregon puts the Pac-12 on the college football playoff radar. But if we're talking about a two or three loss Washington, a two loss Oregon, a two loss SC, then we're going to continue to talk about how the Pac-12 is no longer relevant in the college football playoff. Quite simple. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, podcast of the uh, Pac-12 look back to 2020 and look ahead to 2021. For summer, Billy, Brittany, this is Kenneth. Have a great day. Enjoy the upcoming season. And remember to check out our website, www.crunchtimesportsadvantage.com. Follow us on Twitter at CrunchTimeVIP, and be sure to check out one of our premium packages on all the five power conferences, as well as the college football playoff on our website. Have a great rest of your day. All aboard.